Well, welcome everyone to the February 8th edition of the Ag Market Network Monthly Cotton Market Teleconference. I'm Pat McClatchy. I'm the moderator. The program is sponsored uh, by BASF. Uh, they are our long-term sponsor, and we appreciate them. As you know, they're the owners of Fiber Max and Stoneville Cottonseed, and we appreciate them uh, making this program possible. Uh, the uh, Today's program, our lead speaker will be Kip Butts, and he'll be joined uh, he'll be joining our cotton panel made up of Dr. O.A. Cleveland, Gerald Nieper, and Dr. John Robinson. Uh, Kip, thanks for leading us today. Well, thank you, Pat. I, I might mention, too, to everyone, uh, O.A. may be a little bit late today. I understand he, uh, he had something going on, but he may be a few minutes late. So uh, if you're wondering where he is or why he's not commenting, he may not be here, <laughs> at least for a while. Um, the February uh, report is uh, the USDA uh, WASDE report is typically not very exciting, and it did not dis- disappoint this year as well. This was not a uh, a lot of major changes in this. Let's start with the U.S. Uh, there was a grand total of one change on that. That is that the uh, mill use went down 100,000 bales, and that moved directly to the bottom line to move the ending stocks from 4.2 to 4.3. So that, like I say, not a whole lot exciting going on there. That was uh, caused, quite honestly, by just reports uh, that the um, that the mill use was was slowing in the most recent reports. And indications are that that probably is not going to change much, at least as we speak. The world numbers were also not very exciting. We had a uh, a million bale decrease in production in total. That was primarily due to a million bale change in India. Uh, China production was actually up about a half a million bales, as was uh, Pakistan was up a couple of hundred thousand bales, uh, which has been kind of interesting because Pakistan has really had a, a very poor crop this year. It's uh, really not has not gone well for them. Let's put it like that. Uh, use worldwide went down about 190,000 bales uh, in total, and um, which left us with ending stocks down about 850,000. The changes on domestic mill use were primarily in uh, Pakistan, 200,000 down, Indonesia, 200,000 down, Vietnam, 100,000 down, and China was up a half a million. So production up a half a million uh, and mill use uh, up a half a million. There was really no change in China from that perspective. Everything just up a half a million bales. So Ending stocks outside the U.S. were actually up, excuse me, down 850,000 bales. Um, there were a couple of minor other things. Uh, India's uh, exports were um, dropping a little bit because of that drop in, in production. Brazil's went down just a skosh, and uh, Australia was picked up just a little. In the whole scheme of things, if we had to depend on this report to uh, to really move prices one way or the other, we're out of luck because there's just not a whole lot here. If I miss something, you guys let me know. I, I, th- I think the emphasis on cotton right now is on mill use and global um, economic conditions, which are, you know, it's kind of hard to say. That, that, that you hear the good, you hear the bad, but it, it, it's just uncertain. And uh, so I think that a whole lot of folks are in that situation. It's just a wait and see. The global inflation continues to be 
a problem. And we are seeing signs of uh, a slowdown and maybe even a beginning of disinflation to a degree, but it, there's sure a lot of mixed signals out there. And I think that that is being reflected in just about anybody that has to make decisions that has costs involved. <laughs> and farmers are in a situation where input costs are still extremely high, and that provides a lot of uncertainty to uh, to our markets. I'm going to stop talking now, and maybe someone else will have something really good to say, because uh, unless I've missed something, fellas, I just didn't see a whole lot in the February report. Well, isn't that historically why we have the Sports Illustrated Swimsuit Edition in February? I'll go for that. That works. <laughs> well, let's open uh, it up for any – I think OA has joined us, and let's just open it up for any other comments. The the surprise to me was um, leaving you leaving the U.S. production number unchanged, um, only because I with the gap that was there a month ago, it was one point something. If I recall, it was one point something million bale discrepancy between what USDA reported as ginned and classed expressed in statistical bales compared to their fourteen point six eight from a month ago. And I figured that the production number would probably come down. I figured they'd meet in the middle, but I figured the production number would come down 400,000 bales or so, I think is what I said. And they kept it right where it is, and Jennings really, really caught up. If I converted it and calculated it correctly, the statistical expression of Jennings is, as of early February, is 14.5. So a whole lot, there was a lot more Jennings than, than I maybe thought possible. And I also was told uh, the other day that there's still there's still eight gins operating in the high plains, and I don't know if they can make up the remaining difference, which is like 157,000 statistical bales or so. But you know maybe, or maybe they'll meet in the middle now. But uh, I guess I give NAS credit for holding to their production estimate. Hmm. Well, if I remember right, John, it seems like it's more common for them to not do anything in February than for them to do something in February. It's not it's not unusual for them to adjust a February number, but generally that January number will kind of stay put unless there's, mm -hmm. you know, compelling evidence otherwise until they come out with a final number in May. Yeah, but yeah. maybe I'm remembering wrong. I think that's that I think that's pretty much on the mark. They tend not to because they are going to make that adjustment and you know kind of finalize it. Unless, to your point, unless there's something really obvious out there, uh oh, you know, we some kind of storm or something really damaged a lot. They tend not to, which is part of what makes the February report so exciting. The, um, you know, I think that you know the, the the problem in Turkey, the the horrific you know, earthquake that mm. happened right over there in the middle of two big, you know, textile centers between Marash and, and uh, Gaziantep. Uh, it's unclear. I don't really know how many mills are over there, how much consumption is over there. I've, I've, heard, a con I've heard of an estimate of maybe a third of the, of the consumption happens over there. Um, and I've heard, you know, numbers that, you know, it might be three weeks before some of these guys can get back to work, and it might be six months before some of them get back to work. So I don't know that USDA had enough information available to them to, to make a, any kind of a reasonable 
adjustment to what to what might happen to, to turkey consumption. But I, I, it, it certainly probably should go down a little bit anyway, you know. You would think that, that as you say, it's just devastating earthquake. And, and, and some of the pictures I've seen, if, wow, six months would probably be pretty quick to get that done there. It's really a mess. So the question is, could you yeah. use enough in Turkey to really, you know, change things? Because we've seen, what is this now, uh, five consecutive months where they've dropped uh, mill use, although now it's really not that very much. Uh, but, well, if you look outside of China, though, I mean, it's down 600 and almost 700,000 bales. So, you know, we are seeing a bit of a decline. But I just wonder if, and this is nothing disrespectful, could we lose enough there to really make a difference in that? I mean, we'll, we'll look and see, but it's... I'm afraid there's a lot yet to go on that. And, you know, I guess maybe complicating things a little bit more is, as I heard through the rumor mills, that some of these mills who aren't operating now, they may contract with some of their, you know, their buddies in, in the West, you know, around Istanbul mm-hmm. to do a little contract spinning for them so that, you know, some of those guys could probably have a little slack capacity to do a little contract spinning for them so they don't, you know, they don't really lose any any ground, so it's it's not going to be easy to to figure out. The right. um, um, now even before all of that, I'd heard that that you know people over there feel like that USDA's number in terms of overall consumption for turkey, even before all of this happened, you know, might be you know. A, a million bales too high, so you, you may you may see a, a decline in, in Turkish consumption anyway, um, re, regardless of what's going on in in, uh, in 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 the southeastern. Right, Gerald and I've talked about that, but we not that we necessarily agreed on it, but. Uh, I've been looking for Turkish consumption to come down because, as I, I really, from the standpoint, as I look at U.S. sales vis-a-vis uh, shipments, exports, uh, and I think Gerald corrected me, we've sold them, uh, Gerald, I don't know, what, 1.8 million bales or so, and we've shipped Now, 1.3 1. into, uh, 1. into Turkey. And we've shipped about 400,000. And yeah. uh, I, I, I've just been thinking that given the currency problems that they were having, that they would end up not being able to consume really very close to what that shipment level was. And as far as contract shipping with other countries in the West, yes, that's very possible, but we do get into some uh, or countries in the West or other cu- countries, we do get into uh, the uh, customs situation and what's exempt and what's not exempt, and, and that would create some problems, but I'm sure they can figure out that much more than I can. But I, I, I still I was not concerned or surprised that they did not lower the uh, U.S. export number, and I know some people say we have plenty of time and we're on, we're on, on schedule vis-a-vis the average over the past three, four, five, ten, or 15 years, and all that's very true, but my comment is still that uh, we don't have 15 years of data with the kind of U.S. and world economy that we have. Probably have three or four years data. 
that we have to go and pick and choose. So I'm still, I, I was glad to see world, world carryover come down, but I'm still a bit of a bear on world carryover. I think we continue to go up. Uh, I think we've got another cut coming in U.S. domestic consumption. So I, I, I'm, I'm, I wish I could be bullish. I'm a guy that's, particularly in this group, that's always bullish and uh, Gerald comes in bullish quite frequently, but I, I'm I may be the most bearish. Kip's teaching me to be bearish now. Oh, careful now! <laughs> don't 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 blame me for that sort of thing. Oh, there's a bear. Oh, 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 oh wait! If I said if if I said countries in terms of this contract spending, I, I misspoke. I meant to say companies in Western Turkey around Istanbul. But I want to say something here that, that I think OA made an excellent point. Not only are they having trouble in Turkey with their currencies, uh, Pakistan, who we've sold quite a lot of cotton to, is having the same sort of problem. Letters of credit are having trouble because of uh, of just their inability to, to deal with the currencies. Uh, the rupee has fallen quite dramatically there. And I think we're seeing that over a lot of our countries that we want to, you know, ship cotton to and, and get it there. They almost can't afford it uh, simply because of the currency changes. The dollar just continues to get a little stronger. We've seen some weakness recently. But I, I do think currency is having a bigger impact than it typically does, uh, which to always point is we just don't see it as much, and so we don't have a very accurate history and know how to deal with it very well. I I, I think that is having a bigger impact than we might um, give it credit initially. One one thing we talked about before we actually got started here, and I want to go to John on this, is what what he's hearing in terms of acreage in Texas for cotton. John, give us your thoughts, what you're hearing as far as – and by the way, we're going to open up the phone lines and go to farmers if they want to make any comment about this. But how? What are the what are the prospects for, for planting the usual amount of cotton acres uh, for this coming up year? Uh, and and how do people feel about it? John, what have you been hearing? So I'll begin in the south. The the, uh, the situation along the Gulf Coast and down to the valley, people seemed like planting the normal amount of cotton. I didn't hear anybody talking about reducing it for for price reasons or or it's too expensive or hard to manage or whatever it it seemed like they were they were okay with with their normal rotation which the typically the dryland parts of south texas enjoy a 50-50 rotation with grain sorghum but when you go out to the panhandle or to to the high plains more broadly uh, you'll hear a lot of talk you know this is an unrepresentative sample of of discussions but i've i've heard on at hmm, a half a dozen meetings, I've heard people bring up the possibility of hanging on to their cover crops, their small grain, their wheat cover crops, and ensuring them as a forage, which is sort of a cost-saving measure, and you know, Mother Nature allowing. Um, but but doing that, and then maybe planting a, a forage sorghum uh, afterwards, and ensuring that, and and that's, and I'm going to forget the name, but it's the new the new uh, forage uh, insurance programs that have been available for a couple of years. That's what they're talking about. 
but I've, I've heard that kind of talk. And then in the northern, the more the better irrigated regions of the northern Panhandle, which recently converted, you know, from corn to cotton, up there the the talk is that the uh, the dairies are offering. They've stepped up their their um, contracts for silage and are extremely competitive. So. You know, there's in that region, there's that which may entice acres away from cotton. And then further down, like I say, there may be um, just these cost saving measures uh, hanging on to the wheat crop as long as they can and following it up with a catch crop. Uh, that's what I hear. It just kind of perks my ears. So, you know, and then if, if that if that's going on in Texas, then then. That that could kind of lead to a, a leakage, a trickle away from cotton acreage out in out in that world, and then it comes down to what gets planted in the delta and what gets planted, and the just the competitiveness of corn and soybeans in other parts of the country. All right, just curious. I'm going to unmute these phones, and if you're a farmer or uh, any anyone that wants to comment about the feeling about acres and price for cotton. If you feel like saying something, we'd invite you to do it. So I'm going to unmute this until it gets too loud. So let's see. Okay. Any, any thoughts or comments about uh, the plans for this next year for planting cotton or, or what, you, what your feeling is? No comments? We'll close the lines again, and um, I might I guess excuse me. Excuse me. I might mention that if someone wants to make a comment, if they'll turn their, what they're listening to down, that will oftentimes uh, break up part of that noise problem we have. So if you're listening on a phone. Turn that down very low when you want to talk. That way it doesn't interfere. Okay. Any other any other thoughts or comments from our group before we get into our uh, price forecasting? Um, Gerald is asked to go first. So, Gerald, I'm going to go to you. And you can, can you do that? Yeah. yeah I, I think you could do that <laughs> I think no, we're going to Gerald. Here. I can't believe that. <laughs> yeah. Gerald, what are another your one, on the I, Another one, Coach. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll take another one. The, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm finding, uh, you know, I don't disagree with Oway in terms of being a little bit negative on this thing or maybe a lot negative, but it just seems like every time we go down, you know, underneath, you know, let's say, 80, get close to 83, 82 cents, and you look at prevailing basis levels. Um, the uh, if you can land cotton someplace in the world for under a dollar, you know it's finding a home. Um, you know the, the the downside is is once you get up to you know 88, 89 cents, I think uh, you know that takes a dollar landed off the table, and you know buyers shy away and and uh, and, and the, the trade seems willing to sell it, and, and grower fixations come in, you know, above 88 cents. So right now we're still sort of just stuck in this this trading range of, you know, 
80 to 82 on the downside and, you know, 88 to 90 on the upside. And, and really, it's probably more like 87 to 89 cents on the upside. So it just doesn't feel like we're – it just feels like we're going nowhere fast, you know. Um, and uh, not that we won't go down a little bit further. I, I think at some point we've got a chance to, to extend the trading range a little bit. But, uh, you know, I think 78 cents on the downside is about all I'm, I'm willing to – stick my neck out for right now and probably you know 89 cents on on the top side 89 to 90 cents on the top side i just don't think we've got the energy you know to get back over 90 cents unless we see you know some major major sales in into china vietnam um and some of these other you know other big consuming countries but china and vietnam would would be the two big ones what about about new crop price I feel like new crop price needs to, to yeah, you, you know, John, you mentioned something in, in South Texas that these guys are kind of wanting to stick to their 50-50 rotation, and I think that they would like to, but I do think that there's going to be a, a little bit larger diversion to uh, to the grain crops, uh, you know, maybe a 70-30 uh, rotation, 60-40, something like that, 65-35. Um, you know, I just got off the phone with a with a fellow today who was just talking about all these input prices, and every time you turn around, you know, seeds going up, you know, the wrap is going up, you know, custom harvesting is going up, fuel is going up. It just, it, and you know, you, you basically stick a grain sorghum crop in the ground, and 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 that's it. You know, you, you've got a you know some little some you know, minor herbicides and possibly, you know, pesticide application. But, you know, it's, it's nothing compared to what you have to spend on a uh, on a cotton crop. And so, you know, my general the, – the general feeling I'm getting is, is out of that, uh, you know, that 8-in eight, that eight area, um, you know, right around Corpus, you know, you're going to be down probably 15 to 20 percent. And I know that's not a lot of acres, but, you know, that's what I'm picking up. And, and as far as the high plains is concerned, you know, John, I, I hear you, and I've heard the same stuff. And particularly, like, uh, and I hear peanut prices are pretty good. I hear, you know, you got to, there's going to be a lot of peanuts planted. You'll plant a circle with half peanuts and half cotton, and the, and the peanuts get watered, um, and uh, the, the, the cotton will not. Um, so. I think guys are looking for something other than cotton if, if they can if they can make it if they can make a pencil out just just due to these inputs. Uh, I'm sorry. What price projection did you give? Oh, so for new crops. So yeah, I know. I, I, I tried to ignore that. I tried to get past that. You you almost got away with that. That was really good. Yeah, I know. <laughs> You're going to have to see 90 to 95 cents, but I don't know what's going to get us up to 90 to 95 cents right now. Um, so, you know, I, I think between now and planting time, I think you you might brush up against 90 cents, particularly if you don't get any any rain out there in, in West Texas. But uh, you know, beyond that, I don't know that that new crop can go any higher than 90 between now and let's say the middle of uh, middle of May. Uh, you know the downside. I think the downside is pretty well protected. 
in that 79 to 81 cent area. So, you know, 79 to, you know, 89 cents is probably a new crop range for now until uh, the middle of May. All right. John, let's go to you. Uh, let me let me just pick up there with the new crop question because I, I think if, a couple big ifs, but if the council projects something under 10 million acres planted and if March 31 USDA kind of confirms that, then I think, I think the specs will get excited. I mean, and and it's dry. It's dry over a lot of uh, the northwestern part of the state. So I think we'll be in a weather market situation that could uh, that could push us to ninety five cents before May. I, I think, and that's that's kind of what I'm expecting. Basically, is the low end of plantings and dry conditions, and and then it'll get volatile and big uncertain, big question mark about the size of the crop, et cetera, et cetera. So. I would go from Gerald's low to 95 new crop until I see otherwise. Now we'll we'll see what gets planted. Um, and the old crop, I'd just make it easy and say 79 to 89. I think there's going to be a whole bunch of uh, farmers selling at the at the upper end of that. So I think it's capped. All right, Kip. Well, I boy, that's why I wish I were first too. I'm going to try to get in line to do that next time. Um, in the old crop, I, I totally agree that 89 cents is, is going to be at or near. Maybe it's a penny higher. Maybe we get to 90. I kind of doubt that. And the bottom end, I like 76, 78 cents. I think we have, if it starts down, I think we've got potential for it to go down a little bit more simply because I'm concerned that sales that we've made, I always point was, was well taken. I think we may wind up with some of these folks that can't get the LCs opened up unless we get something on the demand side. So I think, you know, maybe 76 to 89 cents. New crop, 80 to 90 is fine in my mind. Uh, I just don't know. You make a very good point about being potentially in a weather market. But uh, if we wind up in a situation where the old crop gives us a bigger carryover, it may make it. It'll be volatile, but it may be pretty difficult to get as much over um, over ninety cents. So I'm thinking eighty ninety cents in, uh, for for December. All right, away. Well, of course, I I like uh, Kip's numbers more than anyone else's, and I'm sorry. I wish I could be more bullish than that, but uh, old crop. Uh, yeah, we go down to eighty cents uh, if we do that. That opens up the realm of the gap there at 75, 74 and a half, 75, 76 cents. So we have to be leery of that. And literally every, not most or many, every grower I talk to says at 90 cents, my cotton's gone. So that means the markets will fail at 87, 88, 89, somewhere up in there. And, and and that's the old crop scenario. As we look at new crop, John's point about uh, the dryness, and we get a, 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 a National Cotton Council acreage figure below 10 million bales, and uh, the northern plains being dry, then that, that does open up uh, something above 90 cents. But more realistically, I would think that uh, new crop does have a floor somewhere around 80 cents. I think it's every time we've gotten down 81, 82 recently, uh, we can live with that. And then 
we we still struggle. It's early to get above the ninety cents at this stage, this point in time. I think once we get the crop in the ground and we see what weather's like then, uh, we can get to ninety cents and get above ninety cents. I don't think we go above ninety cents until we get through the Memorial Day weekend in West Texas to see if they get that traditional rain. So I just don't see crop going overseas. This old crop going overseas. I think. The economy, the world economy is still basically, while it is getting better, it's still very much of a dog, and I wish I could be stronger than that. But thank you very much. I appreciate your time. All right. Any any other comments here before we close? All right. Well, let's uh, let's wrap it up. Thank, uh, thank BASF for making our program possible. We appreciate them. Uh, I want to thank Kip for leading us today and joining our cotton panel, uh, Dr. O.A. Cleveland, Gerald Nieper, and Dr. John Robinson. And uh, that concludes this edition of the Ag Market Network. Thank you.